welcome back to episode 46 of the Counties of England podcast. In this week's episode, we will be covering the county home to Arundel Castle, the county home to the mysterious Fishbourne Palace, and the county home to the Worthing Lumps. This week, we will be covering the county of West Sussex. West Sussex is a county located in the southeast of England. It is bordered by three counties, Surrey to the north, East Sussex to the east and Hampshire to the west. West Sussex has a population of 858,852, which puts us the second smallest county in terms of this statistic. In terms of area, it is the 19th smallest county, and so in terms of population density, West Sussex houses 1,117 people per square mile, which puts as the 23rd largest county in terms of this statistic. West Sussex is split into seven districts, Worthing, Arran, Chichester, Horsham, Crawley, Mid-Sussex and Ardour. The county town is Chichester, but the largest town is Worthing. The median salary in East Sussex is £29,714, which puts it below the UK average of £31,500. The unemployment rate is 3.21%, which puts it below the UK average of 4.8%, and the average house price, according to Zoopla estimates, is £417,140, which puts it comfortably above the national average of around £330,000. West Sussex is split into eight different parliamentary constituencies. All eight of them are represented by Conservative MPs. The most famous of this bunch would be Nick Gibb, who has been MP for Bognor Regis and Littlehampton, since May 1997 and has held numerous ministerial roles within the government. One of the most famous places in West Sussex is Arundel Castle. The oldest feature of the castle is the Mott, which is an artificial mound over 100 feet high from the dry moat and was constructed in 1068, followed by the gatehouse in 1070. Under his will, King Henry I settled the castle and lands in dower on his second wife, Adeliza of Louvain. Three years after his death, she married William d'Albini II, who built the stone shell keep on the Mott. King Henry II, who built much of the oldest part of the stone castle, in 1155 confirmed William d'Albini II as the Earl of Arundel with the honour and castle of Arundel. Apart from the occasional reversion to the crown, Arundel Castle has descended directly from 1138 to the present day, carried by female heiresses from the Dalbinis to the Fitzalans in the 13th century, and then from the Fitzalans to the Howards in the 16th century, and it has been the seat of the Duke of Norfolk and their ancestors for over 850 years. From the 15th to the 17th centuries, the Howards were at the forefront of the English history, from the War of the Roses through the Tudor period to the Civil War. During the Civil War, the castle was badly damaged when it was twice besieged, first by royalists who took control, then by Cromwell's parliamentarian force, led by William Waller. Nothing was done to rectify the damage until about 1718, when Thomas, the 8th Duke of Norfolk, carried out some repairs. Charles Howard, the 11th Duke, known to posterity as the Drunken Duke, and friend of the Prince Regent subsequently carried out further restoration.
Queen Victoria came from Osborne House with her husband, Prince Albert, for three days in 1846, for which the bedroom and library furniture were specially commissioned and made by a leading London furniture designer. Her portrait by William Fowler was also specially commissioned by the 13th Duke in 1843. The building today owes much to Henry, the 15th Duke of Norfolk, and the restoration project was completed in 1900. It was one of the first English country houses to be fitted with electrical light, integral fire equipment, service lifts and central heating. The gravity-fed domestic water supply also um, supplied the town. Electricity cost over £36,000 to install, but the chimney piece in the drawing room only cost £150. In 1960, a workman was laying a new water main at Fishbourne in Sussex when he unearthed some pottery. Realising he may have found something significant, he he reported the find to his superiors. In turn, they contacted the British Museum and archaeological team began excavating the site. As they dug, a building began to surface. The more they uncovered, the more they realised this was a huge building. Eventually, they brought the remains of Fishbourne Palace to the surface. This was the biggest single building ever found in Britain, covering an area the size of Buckingham Palace in London. This was no ordinary home. It had been built around 80 to 90 AD by someone who was obviously a person of authority. But who did it belong to? After many years of research, it is generally agreed that the owner was King Cogidubnus of the Regni tribe. He was a firm supporter of the Romans and aided them in their conquest of Britain. He was the successor to Verica, who was at war with the Catavallauni before the Roman invasion. It was Verica who approached the Roman emperor with a plea for assistance to fight off the scourge of the Catavallani as they were steadily taking over the whole of southeast England. When the Romans did invade in 43 AD, the Regni uh, gave help to the Roman military by allowing them to use Chichester Harbour as a landing stage for their campaign in Britain. He also aided them and sided with the Romans during the Boudican Rebellion, so it's easier to so it's easy to see why the Romans would have rewarded the Regni king for his cooperation. And this clip will explain a little bit more about the palace. In 1960, an engineer was laying a water pipe in this sleepy corner of Sussex and found what looked like Roman remains. Called in the archaeologists and they excavated them a couple of months and a couple of years. They found more and more. It looked like a villa, then a particularly grand villa, then a collection of villas until they realized that in fact, it was a palace laid out on imperial lines. The largest Roman domestic building ever found north of the Alps. Today, it's known as Fishbourne Palace and the footprint is comparable, maybe slightly even bigger than Buckingham Palace. So this mosaic shows us a really important piece of evidence for the early history of the palace. These dips here are formed by post holes, wooden stakes dug into the ground. Now they were here because before the palace ever existed, probably just when the Roman armies were arriving in Britain around 43 AD for the invasion, 
This place became a, well, perhaps a, a beachhead where logistics were stored. So a granary was built here on wooden posts raised up above the ground, just a simple wooden building. When they came to build a palace, they laid these mosaics over it. They didn't bother taking the wooden posts out. And so as you can see, the wooden has rotted and it's subsided down. So it's little clues like this that allowed archaeologists to tell the story of this palace, which is actually a giant mystery. No one knows for sure why it was built, who it was for, and even exactly what it looked like. This next group of mosaics is really important because these are the earliest mosaics ever found in Roman Britain. They tell us a lot about what the palace, this vast, enormous building, was used for. The, the, the work is very fine here. It's up to an imperial standard. So the suggestion is that these mosaics were laid down when the palace reached its peak, when it was finished in about 75 AD. The flag of West Sussex was registered with the Flag Institute on the 20th of May 2011. The design involves the basic colours and pattern of the traditional emblem, six gold martlets on blue, but added a gold chief, a bar across the top of the shield when designing the flag. Facts about West Sussex include Chichester Cathedral was founded in the 11th century, its spire was built of weak local stone and rebuilt after it collapsed during the 19th century. Astronaut Tim Peake was born in Chichester in 1972 and later attended the Chichester High School for Boys. Chichester was one of the fortified towns established by Alfred the Great in 878-79. In April 2017, a parchment manuscript copy of the United States Declaration of Independence was discovered in the archives of the West Sussex Record Office in Orchard Street. The area around Worthing contains Britain's greatest concentration of Stone Age flint mines. The oldest of these mines is Church Hill, Findon. Off the coast of Worthing lies one of Europe's best underwater chalk reefs, known as Worthing Lumps. These underwater chalk cliff faces are up to three metres high and home to some rare fish. They lie around five, meters, five miles off the coast and are a designated marine site of nature conservation interest. Oscar Wilde wrote the importance of being earnest while staying in Worthing in the summer of 1894. Several world records have been set in Worthing, including the heaviest fig grown, 295 grams, the longest football marathon and the most consecutive rounds of kickboxing. Worthing Pier has survived several disasters. In 1913, strong gales caused the decking between the pier and the shore to be washed away. In 1933, a fire destroyed the South Pavilion, and in 1940, during World War II, a hole was blown in the pier's decking to stop it being used as a landing point for an enemy attack. And Worthing Pier also became famous among indie fans in the 90s when it featured on the front cover of the indie band Jeans album to see the lights. And that just about wraps it up for today as ever. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, next week's episode will be on West Yorkshire, so stay tuned for that on the 20th of November. Have a good week until then, and I'll talk to you again next Saturday. Mm -hmm.